Hello and welcome to this IBR Extra, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. The Next Generation Leadership Program, a part of Advance Iowa at the University of Northern Iowa, prepares family business members for executive-level responsibilities and ownership, including an education program tailored for next-generation family enterprise leaders and the unique challenges and opportunities they face. Recently, the program welcomed the addition of Dr. Heidi Vermeer Quist. She is a licensed clinical psychologist, a family business consultant, and a third-generation shareholder of Vermeer Corporation in Pella. She and her husband, Chad, co-own and direct VQ Consult, their family business consulting practice, as well as Heartland Christian Counseling, an outpatient mental health clinic serving the Des Moines metro area. We talked about her background and the insight she brings to the Family Business Forum within Advance Iowa via Zoom on Friday, January 29th. And as you'll hear, her background clearly led her to her current vocation. As you have experienced it not only in your own professional life, but also in the counseling realm and your business advice, what are some of the unique challenges people may not immediately recognize when we're talking about familial succession of a business? I think that a lot of people don't recognize, although some 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 will, and it, it makes sense when you pause and reflect on it, that, that it's quite an emotional process. You know, I think when, when we think of business, we, we want things to be logical, we want things to be orderly. We want to have timelines, very specific timelines, often sort of short controlled timelines. But with family business succession, it is not often like that at, at all. And then when folks don't really have a whole lot of insight into how emotional they're getting and how sometimes their emotions are keeping them less logical, it makes sense to them. But Again, with the emotions driving a lot of times decisions in family businesses, that can be a real a real pitfall. And the opportunity at the Family Business Center at UNI and the work that we do with NextGens is to really help them to gain more strength with regard to self-awareness, relational work in the business, but also with the family, and then some steady growth steps along the way because there's a lot to learn when you're going from, you know, having grown up in the business to then starting to work in the business, trying to even find if there's a good seat on the bus for you in the business. We talk a lot about that sort of thing. And then having those critical conversations across generations, but also within, you know, supervisors who are non-family in the business. It's something that can be worked on well, but if it's not worked on intentionally, it gets messy pretty quickly. Obviously, anytime you have a transition, it's going to be emotional. A founder of a business, for example, they've put their life's work into it, their hopes and dreams. It's going to be emotional if it's a third-party transition. But you throw the family dynamic in, and that just introduces a raft of problems that people might have a hard time seeing. Correct. And a lot of times, they, they have habits of how they've interacted with their sibling that they're in business with or their children who are coming into the business and realizing that how we treat one another in family needs to actually be different 
in, as to how we uh, treat one another in the in the family business. One one of my most staggering memories growing up with Vermeer as my family business was being told very clearly that when you work here at Vermeer, you no longer call your, your father dad, you call him Bob. <laughs> and you know, being the recipient of that, it was strange, but I'm so glad for that kind of counsel where, where we're trying to do our best to, to have business be the best it can be, but running it with healthy business sense. But that family then still has that core of unconditional love and commitment to one another. But that doesn't mean that everybody gets to work exactly the same and with equality at the business, because those are just two different worlds. And to respect the health and well-being of how those two different worlds need to function is good. But it, it inevitably gets blended unless families and family business are willing to look at that and willing to work on those boundary differences. And the example you mentioned, it seems to me that sets a really good example for everyone else in the business, because if you were to call your superior dad, then they <laughs> that's going to ostracize people and introduce things that, that may not be there because perception becomes reality, does it not? Correct. And I think no, no matter what, I mean, everyone did know that Bob was my dad. <laughs> so there already was that. But anything that I could do and he could do to make those those business boundaries clear that when I'm at Vermeer, I'm an HR intern and you're CEO and that's what we do. And you know, when we're at home, then we can go back to, to that family relationship. We didn't do it perfectly by any stretch of the imagination, but I think continuing to have that, have that clarity of um, in, in business, we often talk about in family business, that that the business component needs to follow the same rules, whether you're family or non-family. And you want it to be good rules, healthy rules, healthy values, driving forth accountability and performance values, meritocracy, as opposed to entitlement and, you know, just kind of a monarchy sort of a feel to it. So yeah, that I think that clarity is, is helpful to everyone. Um, whether you are in the family or whether you're not in the family but working in the business, really valuing everyone for what they contribute. So how did you become a family business consultant? How did that specific niche, if you will, of your broad work, how did that develop? I did grow up in Pella, Iowa at Vermeer as my family business and did work in HR. I was I was an HR intern. Um, it became pretty apparent to me, though, that the sorts of things that I would want to do in HR, I, I felt were almost an ethical dilemma because being the, an, a family owner and doing a lot of the kind of hiring and evaluation, the kind of work that I love doing, which is working with people on their development, what would have been a pretty difficult conflict of interest in many ways in order for people to really feel like I was both an advocate for them and an owner, you know, mm-hmm. it just was messy. Mm-hmm. So at that point in my, in my 20s, I felt very much drawn into the field of psychology and organizational psychology. So I got my doctorate in clinical psychology and have been, I still, I still work in that. In fact, my husband and I own two clinics, Hartley and Christian Counseling out here in central Iowa. And uh, we run those. <laughs> so we're, we're pretty busy. But in the midst of that, about 15 years ago, became very engaged at Vermeer in developing our current family office. So I worked part-time 
within the company, not so much day to day, but in the development of our family office and organize our ownership council. And, and uh, those are all things that I'm kind of trying to pass on ideas with regard to the UNI uh, Family Business Forum and, and the Next Gen Group. So, so developed a lot of great practices, learned from a lot of really excellent other family companies that have gone before. I actually, now it's, it's really running quite well. My, my cousin Mindy is the ownership council chair. I have another cousin Grant who I'm starting to talk to, who is probably going to succeed her. We've got some really good things going at Vermeer. It looks like we'll keep going as a family owned business. We're hoping we're at 72 years in family business. We're hoping for a century. That's our next goal. So, but then from, from there, and I served on the board of directors for, for a term so right now, though, I'm, I'm enjoying working with other family businesses. And so I think that combination of the training, organizational psychology, and then doing the work of actual family business governance development, now um, I'm, I'm enjoying working with other family businesses in, in the mostly central Iowa area. I have to be careful because I only have so much time. So that is why I joined you and I, because they can help me organize my time a little bit more effectively and um, and they and they provide more resources too than than I can just do on my own. So um, it's it's a start of a beautiful partnership for me with you and I. Well, and certainly you have this family business thing down pat with you and your husband running. Well, well, you're you're <laughs> running the the clinics together too, so you've got yeah. you've... <laughs> That's true. So we've launched a new family business. Yeah. <laughs> which is actually so so interesting that um, a lot of families in business do end up being quite entrepreneurial from generation to generation. So yeah, we we do. We have our own family business. I started, I launched it out about three years ago. And within three years, we've assumed two clinics. So we went from an employee of one to an employee of almost 30 with Heartland Christian Counseling. So wow. now we're, we're kind of learning both sides of the spectrum from startup <laughs> to now also being involved in a 72-year-old business all, all my life. So but it's good. Well, it, it's challenging, but it is worth it because, again, if you have the passion for the family business and you want to see that succeed, as you said, for the Vermeer Company, you now have a goal of let's make it to a century as a privately owned, family owned company. That helps you relate, does it not, to some of these other folks who come through the Family Business Center at the University of Northern Iowa to help them realize it's not just them. In other words, other people have been here before them, and and you don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time. Yeah, that, and I think that's such good news for people. Uh, it is it is a joy to be at some of these meetings, the family forum breakfast series, the next generation peer groups that I'm involved in, and to to see them come together and in many ways bond pretty immediately because they can recognize in each other that this is not easy. This is really difficult, and it is. Um, limiting how how free we often feel to be really um, like vulnerable and open about our frustrations with our family members because it's probably not appropriate to to just share with other employees it might not be appropriate because it is a family member that I'm struggling with and to be able to have some other outside perspectives as well as really looking at our own blind spots what you know where where in this struggle am I needing to, to grow, to become more mature emotionally, logically in my industry, you know, and what are the next steps 
that that would work well so that I don't get stuck in resentment so I don't get stuck in some years and years long competition with my sibling what I mean the stories of dysfunction that kind of end up destroying family businesses are more common than the success stories especially when you get to the second and third generations so it's a harder path to pursue family business long term but I think those that do uh, end up growing tremendously together and I think the impacts that they can have on their employees, on their team, and the team on them, and then to the blessings in many ways shared within their local community of how they can, can give back. Th- those stories are, are just uh, pretty inspiring. That is really an issue where you can't have the current generation make presumptions about I'm going to leave the company to my daughter, my son, whomever, because it may not be a good fit. They may not want it. And so if you are going to do the succession, it truly has to be something that everyone wants and doesn't feel as a burden, correct? Correct. And the only way to do that is you have to talk about it. Well, that's hard. That's very <laughs> hard, isn't it? You have to talk about it. <laughs> it. It was funny as I was trying to do some of those kinds of crucial conversations in in my own family business, one of my elders looked at me squarely and said, well, Heidi, you like conflict. (laughs) I looked back at her and said, nope, nope, I don't like it. I just know we need to do it or we're going to blow it up down the line. You know, so we've got to get together. We've got to talk and we've got to learn to tolerate that none of us are our God in the sense of like being able to control the outcome. You know, we, we need to really listen and, and just do one step at a time as opposed to thinking that we can determine, yeah, my second child will be CEO of this company. A lot of times though, I think it goes the other way too, the presumptions, right? That, that the second generation, I know for myself, I felt a lot of pressure that I should work for Vermeer. I should work for Vermeer. It was wonderful that when I came to the family and in my mid-20s said, I don't know how I fit. I'm not an engineer. I, I really am not super passionate. I mean, I'm glad grandpa was an inventor, but I'm not super passionate about the products in the sense of selling or any any of that. No, I, they are near and dear to my heart. I mean, I, I see a yellow round baler on the side of the road and it there there's literally like tingles that happen for me. So that's that's awesome. But I just didn't see a place. And thankfully, my family was willing to kind of, I mean, and we'd had some conversations. So they they were able to say, yeah, we see that. We see that you need to go off and you need to do this clinical psychology work, which I had to explain to my grandfather what that was, of course, because he just was like, what are you doing? I told him that I help people with marriages and he thought that was really good because marriage was hard. <laughs> so that was really fun. <laughs> But then, you know, there was a place and time 10 years later in which clearly the expertise that I had pursued did come in actually very handy for our family and the governance and and ways of figuring out how to communicate effectively with each other. I think a lot of times encouraging families to just slow down, relax, and just have conversations. We're not going to figure it all out. We're just going to figure out today and then the next day and then the next day having conversations that are respectful and honest. So as you broaden your work, integrating it with the family business program at UNI, is there a foundational point where people make 
critical mistakes. In other words, I don't want to say, is there something people tend to screw up more often than not? But are there certain things that if someone listening to our conversation is either the first generation and they're looking to the future or a potential second generation, whether they have interest or not, what's what's a fundamental thing they should do that many people just don't get right? The assumptions, the presumptions. Somebody shared with me a, a good phrase. It was actually Andrew Kite, who's at Loyola Family Business Center. This phrase of the story I'm telling myself in my head about you, <laughs> you know, that, that this is what I think you want me to do, or this is what I think you're thinking. And that a lot of the time we're, we're actually incorrect because we don't really know what the other person is thinking. And that we need to be able to, again, have those crucial conversations. That's kind of a fun um, word or, you know, phrase that is used in terms of crucial conversations about elder, first generation, where are you going? What are you thinking? Second generation, where am I going? What am I thinking? And, And that we are talking through the process. Oftentimes, I would recommend, and this is not a pitch for myself because I'm actually probably too busy, but get a consultant, get a counselor, get someone to maybe help you have those conversations if they are. And if they are, you're not abnormal. It's normal to feel anxiety about those kinds of conversations because why? Because you've got a double whammy of an emotional attachment to the person and an emotional attachment to the business. And it's just very intense and that's not bad. It's actually a sign that you care so much about both. But you need to be able to talk about it with each other as you're both very involved in it, but you're also both very different people with different thoughts and different skills and being able to really respect each other's skills, but have those good crucial conversations about what you want, what you don't want, and being willing to problem solve. One of my favorite words with family business is consensus, because uh, that doesn't mean that Heidi gets just what she wants, you know, or my cousin Jason gets what he wants. No, we come together with our ideas. And sometimes it may take multiple meetings to come to a consensus on certain solutions. But once we do, we often, I'm always amazed at how what we come up with together, it ends up really kind of being the best for the family business which is also a good lesson in humility, I think. (laughs) Well, and it's also a matter when we're talking about the communication that's so necessary, it has to be without dread or threat. In other words, just because the younger generation is asking the older generation, what are your plans? That doesn't mean that there's a palace coup in the works or that they're trying to push someone out. It's just a a matter of, of having the conversation and the dialogue. I think that's such a good point. You know, I was talking to my mom, reflecting on some of that topic not long ago. And she said, I think what would really help the older generation is if the younger generation too can be sure to really approach us with respect. Because sometimes when they come at us with all these passionate ideas, they probably don't mean to, but they kind of come across as disrespectful. (laughs) And I thought that was really, Great feedback on her end for us as the next generation that, yes, our ideas are important, but remember, they did see us when we were like not at our best. You know, we were whiny. We were kind of horrible at times. So when we get really passionate, I think sometimes we we need to maybe just be asking too that or, or trying to set the stage 
of really approaching them as our elders with respect and honor and letting them know that we're not intending to disregard all of the work that they've done. In fact, we need to treasure them as long as we have them on this earth. And then vice versa, to your point, I think for the older generation to realize that and put themselves kind of in our shoes of, you know, we're the scrappy next generation. We're trying to make our mark. We're anxious, actually, in our what maybe feels like disrespect to them. It's probably more anxiety on our end. And um, giving each other a little bit more grace, which is not natural for humans. We can tend to, especially when we're emotional, we get defensive and then it feels like we're not on each other's side when, when quite frankly, we usually are on each other's side. We're just, to your point, feeling threatened by the other person. Dr. Heidi Vermeer Quist, who along with her husband, Chad, co-own and direct VQ Consult and Heartland Christian Counseling in Central Iowa, now sharing her talents with the Next Generation Leadership Program at the University of Northern Iowa. The Iowa Business Report, radio program and podcast, is presented by Advance Iowa, the state of Iowa's comprehensive consulting program designed to work with mid-sized companies to enhance their growth. Online at AdvanceIowa.com. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa, with the podcast posted right here every week, along with additional IBR extras and IBR business profiles. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report.